everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope the content encourages you and helps you build your faith. Now enjoy the message. All right, let's hear from the Lord this morning. I'm excited to hear from God. Ezekiel 43, 7 through 9. I love this prophetic passage of Scripture. It says, The Lord said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place where I will rest my feet. I will live here forever among the people of Israel. They and their kings will not defile my holy name any longer by their adulterous worship of other gods or by honoring the relics of their kings who have died. Verse 8. They put their idols right next to mine with only a wall between them and me. They defiled my holy name by such detestable sin, so I consumed them in my anger. Verse 9, now let them stop worshiping other gods and honoring the relics of their kings, and I will live among them forever. My wife is, uh, we are, we are, you know, they say opposites attract, which is true. Opposites also attack if you're not careful, right? So we're opposites on a lot of things. And one of the things that we are really opposite on is discernment. I have discernment. My dad had a country boy phrase of saying the biblical discernment. He'd say, boy, us Cunninghams can smell horse manure a mile away right? That was my dad. In other words, he meant we've got really good discernment. We can tell when something's off, something's not right. My wife is incredibly trusting, overly trusting, and it's a beautiful quality that she has, but it's also not a beautiful quality when a door-to-door salesman comes by the house. So one of these times, my wife was at home, and I, I, was, I was not there. I was working, and this guy showed up at our house, and within 15 minutes, she let him into our house. He convinced her, he was a pest control salesman, convinced her that we were on the verge of an infestation, and, you know, Jamaican beetles are going to eat our kids alive if we didn't do anything. And so she said, well, how, how do we do it? And he said, oh, just sign right here and give me your credit card. So she signs right there and gives him the credit card. And I I get home, and I'm greeted with the phrase, no man wants to hear. Hey, honey, I signed us up for a pest control contract today. I'm like, you did what? What did you do? I said, oh, yeah. She said, he said it was only 20 bucks the first time. I said, okay. And then how many times after that? She's like, well, I don't know. He didn't say. I said, well, how much of the times after that? She said, well, he didn't tell me that either. I said, you did what? You signed it? So I open it up and I find out it's a year-long pest control contract that's a monthly contract and it magically goes from $20 a month to $80 a month for the rest of the 12 months. We, we got an opportunity to work out some differences in our marriage, okay? Another opportunity that we had was a security camera guy who comes to our house and he knocks on the door, Anna answers, and he gives her this sales pitch and everything else. And so I get home, and I'm just, I just casually walk into my house, and Anna starts in with, hey, did you know that 95% of the homes that are broken into don't have a security camera? And I'm like, no, I, I didn't know that. And she said, well, hey, did you know that we're the most susceptible house in this neighborhood to a break-in because we're on the back street, and we're near the cul-de-sac, and we don't have a street light close, and we don't have a camera? And I said, what did you do? What, what have you done while I was gone? And she said, well, 
this salesman came by for a video security system, and I said, tell me you did not allow this guy in our house. And she said, no, no, no. She said, I told him he needs to come back a couple hours when my husband's home. I'm like, you're right, you did, you know? And so I was standing on the, the doorstep, and Anna's like, please be nice, please be nice, please be nice. And I, I'm waiting for this guy, and I see him, and he's got his, his orange polo, and he's got his iPad there, and he comes walking up to me, and I said, hey, let me stop you right there. I have a security system in this house. It's in the top shelf of my nightstand. It's got 16 rounds in the clip. <laughs> I said, if I hear break a glass break, someone made a huge mistake around here. And he said, oh, okay, okay, yes, sir, yes. He's like, yeah, I hear you, I hear you. He said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm in the death, burial, and resurrection business. <laughs> right? But we have an agreement, and our agreement is don't let them in and don't let them near because when that happens, we have problems. You know what God's agreement is with us don't let other things in and don't let them near me. Because when you let them in and when you let them near me, we have a problem. What did he say? He said, you have taken your idols, you have taken your relics, and you have taken your kings, and you have put them next to me with only a wall separating us with only one thing dividing me from them. And he says, so in my anger, I destroyed them. And then he says, if you will get rid of it, I will be your God forever. God does not like us letting things into his level. God does not like us allowing things to creep in in such a way that they compromise our relationship with him. And he highlights three areas really quick. I want to run you through these three areas that he highlights in this prophetic word that's to us today of allowing things in to the Lord, allowing things to become comparable with God in our lives. The first thing that he mentions is worship and honor. He says, you have started to worship other gods, and you have started to honor the relics of other kings, Ezekiel 43, verse 7. He says, they and their kings will not defile my holy name any longer by their adulterous worship of other gods, by the prostitution of your praise to somebody else, or by honoring the relics of their kings who have died. Really quick. Worship is a word for submission here. So he's saying you will worship something up to the level that you will submit to it. Honor is a word for value. So he's saying you will honor something up to the level that you value it. In other words, if you worship Jesus up until the point of a relationship that you're in that you know you shouldn't be in, then all of the sudden when your longings for the affection from that person cause you to compromise what God has asked you to do, he's saying you don't worship the Lord, you actually worship the affections of this person. And if they get in the way of your worship, you're not willing to submit. 
That's the word for worship. We worship to the level we're willing to submit. Honor is a word for value. It talks about weight. So he's saying you'll, you'll honor something up to the level of value that you place on it. So you may honor the Lord up to uh, your, your bank account being at a certain amount. And then all of a sudden you care more about work, care more about career, care more about success than you do the Lord. What he's saying is you actually honor those things more then you honor me. And what happens is the things we worship and the things we honor change us. The things we worship and the things we honor change us. I wrote about these recently in a, in a series of devotionals that we've been sending out. And I was thinking of this story and I thought it was so applicable. I grew up in Kansas City. You know, the home of that team that beats the Texans twice a year every year. You know what I'm talking about? That... that that one, yeah, a little, little soon for that. I know Bill O'Brien just got fired, but hey, we got Le'Veon Bell. Anyway, uh, I grew up in Kansas City, so obviously I cheered for the Chiefs, and they had some really good runs. And in the middle of their runs, I used to go to my friend's house, who his family, you talk about crazy Chiefs fans. They had the flags on their cars. They wore the jerseys every Sunday. Every game was a party. They were always watching Chiefs games. And I remember on a Sunday night, I went to my buddy's house, and the Chiefs were playing. And I was like, hey, are we going to watch the Chiefs game? And I, I still remember his face. He was like, no, we, we don't watch the Chiefs in our house anymore. I was like, why? That's ridiculous. Like, you guys love the Chiefs. You're huge fans of the Chiefs. He said, yeah. He said, but my mom, last week when they lost, uh, she just started screaming and yelling at the whole house, and she actually, like, screamed at me for no reason and cussed at my dad, and they got in a huge fight, and so we don't, we don't watch the Chiefs anymore in this house. He said, we had to give up the Chiefs because the Chiefs began to change my mom. Do you see the things? But listen, you see, the things that we worship will begin to change who we are. The things that we idolize will begin to change who we are. And what God is saying is if you worship it or you honor it, if you're willing to submit to it or you're placing a greater value on it and you do these things above me, it will change who you are. That's why we live in worship every day. That's why we do daily presence every day. That's why we're walking in worship every day. We want to worship the Lord every morning when we wake up because worship changes us. And when we begin to worship, we begin to transform. The second thing that he brings up is priority. This is a powerful verse for where we're at today. It's Ezekiel 43, verse 8, he says, They put their idols on altars right next to mine with only a wall between them. They defiled my holy name by such detestable sins, so I consumed them in my anger. Listen to Ezekiel 43 in, in a different translation, the CSB. It says, whenever they placed their threshold next to my threshold, and their doorposts besides my doorposts with only a wall between me and them. They were defiling my holy name by the detestable acts they committed, so I destroyed them in my anger." Catch this. The place of worship was reserved for the highest place in the land. God is saying, I want to be on the highest place. I want to be at the peak of worship. And what they started to do was they started burying their dead kings next to the temple of God. 
So they had God's temple of worship, and then they said, you know what, this king was a really great king, and we really liked him, and man, he was almost like God to us. Let's just build a temple right next to God's. Let's let the doorpost be next to his doorpost. Let's let the, the wall just divide between them, and let's, let's build a temple, right? And then they started building altars to their false idols on the other side. So then they said, you know what, we worship God, but we also like to worship the sun, or we like to worship Baal, or we like to worship the moon. So we'll build an altar right next to God on the same high place. And God is saying, they don't belong on my level. Why have you allowed these things to put their doorpost next to my doorpost and their, their yard sign next to my yard sign? Why have you allowed these things to become equal with me? Let me ask you something. What's on your doorpost right now that should have never been allowed in your driveway? What's taking up resident in your life right now that is doorpost to doorpost with your priority of God? What is taking up resident in your life right now that should have never been allowed? Maybe it's a relationship. And maybe it's somebody, you know you should not be with this person. You know they compromise you spiritually. You know they pull you out of who God has created you to be, yet their doorpost is next to God's doorpost. And those compromises are bleeding over to you. Maybe it is fame. Maybe it is the praises of other people. Whatever it may be, God is saying, they don't belong next to me anymore. What are they doing in this place? Because my doorpost in your life has no equal. I am priority. I am number one. And if you want to put the doorpost of an addiction next to mine, it's got to go. If you want to put the doorpost of somebody you shouldn't be with next to mine, they got to go. Because the high place is reserved for him. I wasn't planning on, on, I really was going back and forth on sharing this, just to be honest with you, uh, real personal to me, but I feel like the Lord wants me to share it because I think it's going to encourage you. Um, this week, I faced a, a real spiritual battle. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, it started on Monday. So on Monday night, uh, we, were, we, we have this new show that we binge watch. We kind of find a show and watch 100 episodes a night and, you know, this sort of deal. Don't act like you don't. We're coming out of a pandemic, right? And so <coughs> ours has been married at first sight. And it's got some good Christian undertones. Yeah, there's a pastor on there that does a great job. And uh, it, it's, it's this show, and we're watching it, and there's a guy that's being married at first sight to a woman, and he started talking about his dad dying at an early age. And when he started sharing about that, um, the thought crept into my mind. I'm in this place. My dad passed away uh, several years ago. And I'm in this place where my son, he thinks I hung the moon, right? He thinks, you all just make fun of me and, and tell me I'm trying to pretend to be cool. My son actually thinks I'm cool. He is like, he thinks daddy is the man, right? He wants to dress like me. He wants to talk like me. And I allowed this thought on Monday night to creep into my mind of what, what would happen if I died? What would happen to Canaan? Like, who would be at his wedding? Who would be there to play Nerf guns with him? Who would be there to write? And, and the, the thought began to plague me. So much so I woke up in the middle of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday morning, and I was so freaked out I couldn't fall back asleep, and I just started praying, God, don't let me die. Lord, don't let me die. 
Lord, spare my life, at least until my son's a grown man. Lord, whatever you need to do, spare my life. Tuesday morning, I'm driving to work, and I'm freaking out on the fatal funnel of 45, thinking I'm going to get in a car accident, right? And I'm, I'm like, Lord, just you know, spare my life. Lord, spare my life. And it started to overtake me. These thoughts started to drive me crazy. And so Tuesday night, I'm working out with my son, and we go to the garage together. We work out, and then afterwards we ride one bike loop around our neighborhood and look at all the Halloween decorations at night. He thinks it's so cool. And so we're doing that, and we pulled the bikes over, and the stars were great. And I said, lay lay down in the cul-de-sac. So we laid down, and we were just looking up. And when we were, I I had this thought in my mind. I looked at him, and I said, son, I said, I want you to know something. I said, "If, if daddy's not here someday, and you are, I want you to know I love you with all my heart. I'm incredibly proud of you, and it's been an honor to be your dad. And he looked at me like I was crazy. Look at me. He was like, thanks, thanks, Dad. And I'm thinking in my mind, what am I doing right now? Like, what am I, uh, what am I doing right now? So I knew I needed to get with the Lord. And so that morning, I set my alarm clock 30 minutes earlier than my, my usual time. I spent an hour with the Lord, and I said, Lord, I need extra time with you. I've got to work this out. And so I woke up that morning. And we do daily presence, and we start with worship. And I I put my AirPods in, and I listen to a worship song. And the first song I listened to was Sea of Victory. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. The battle belongs to you. And I I mean... I'm, see, I'm getting stupid talking to you about it. Like, I, and, and I listened to that song, and the Holy Spirit so, spoke so clearly to my heart. And he said, you've been afraid of death, but you worship the God who defeated death. Fear no more. <laughs> clearly. Clearly. You're afraid of death. You worship the God who defeated death. Be afraid no more. And for 20 minutes, I said there, be afraid no more. Be afraid no more. I will tell you, I stood up out of that recliner, set free from the fear of death. I could, I could literally, I, yes, you can give the Lord praise for that. I could be here another 100 years or I could be here another 30 minutes and I know the God who defeated death is going to take care of me. He's going to take care of my family. He's going to provide. But here's what happened. All of that to say, the fear of death put its doorstep right next to my God. The fear of death had its doorstep right next to God. And there was only a wall, a really thin wall separating them. So I'd walk out and then I'd step in. And I'd walk out and I'd step in. And God spoke to me and he said, that fear of death belongs here. I belong right here. What is it that you need to fix today in your priorities? What does the Lord need to set you free from in your mind? What, do, what house needs to be shut down, destroyed, and brought down to the level it belongs? Because nothing belongs at the doorstep of the Lord in our life. And then he finishes here. And th- this is so powerful. He takes us through honor and worship. He takes us through priority. And then he ends here with the Hebrew phrase for resistance. Ezekiel, 39, or, or Ezekiel 43 verse 9. He says, now let them stop. That word for let them stop is a Hebrew military phrase meaning given up their resistance. It is to suggest that they quit fighting, saying you've allowed the line to break. You've given up your resistance. You've stopped resisting. You've stopped fighting. So he says, now let them stop giving up their resistance 
worshiping other gods and honoring the relics of their kings. And I will live among them forever. Let them stop giving up their resistance. Let them stop allowing things to creep in when they don't belong. I am a Walking Dead fan. Anybody a fan of the, the Walking Dead, the TV show? A couple college kids and the adults are like, oh my gosh, leave now. What is he talking about? You know, No, it's actually a great show. Pastor Rick Grimes is, I mean, he gave his life for his people. You know, can we just, can we honor that today? I know our guy running our YouTube chat, Eric, I know you're a huge Walking Dead fan. My only question is, when's it coming back? I mean, so say, right, please, one person can testify. I remember, though, my favorite season of The Walking Dead was when Rick and company, they're trying to find shelter from these zombies that are, that are going in and out and everywhere, and they find this prison, and they get into this prison, and then Rick and Daryl, two of the greatest humans to walk the planet, right? They're going out, and they're searching this prison, and they're looking for supplies inside, and all of a sudden, this huge crowd of walkers, it's the zombies, they begin to corner them in an area of the prison, and you can see Daryl and Rick, and they're fighting to keep this door closed, right? I think that's a scene in like every single episode, but it's just, it's the one I remember, and they're pushing, and you can see these hands beginning to come out, and they're beginning to reach down, and the heads are beginning to pop out, and the, the door is slowly starting to open, and they're pushing, and they're fighting, and they're trying to get it closed, and then all of a sudden, you see this surge of the door close, and you're like, Yes, they got it closed. You look, and there is these guys who were inmates inside of the prison that were hiding that came and they helped them close the door. And when I when I think of that word, don't give up your resistance. Push it closed. I have this picture of us pushing against a door of everything that's trying to come to steal our worship, of everything that is trying to come to steal our honor of the Lord, of everything that's trying to come to rob us of our priority of where God belongs. And I hear him saying, stay in it. Keep pushing. The door will close. You can shut the door of addiction in your life. You can shut the door of shame, of pain, of hurt. You can close these doors, but you cannot give up in the fight. And what does God say? I love how he finishes. And I will live among them forever. Everybody, thanks again for joining us. We believe God has something great for your life. And we hope this message encourages you to take the next step in your faith. Have a great week.